The writer Wendell Berry once said, We have neglected the truth that a good farmer is a craftsman of the highest order, a kind of artist. No argument there. Of course that's true. The practice of growing fruit and vegetables is indeed an art form. And when it comes to my guest today on the program, well, she's the perfect and quite literal example of the intersectionality of farming and art. Want to meet her? Well, in a minute and a half, you will. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. Music of my guest today on the program, Shayna Hayes. Let me tell you a little bit about Shayna Hayes. So, why all this talk of farming? Well, the Canadian singer songwriter Shayna Hayes finished university and did what most graduates do she started a farm. Ambitious? Of course it was. But Hayes, who was actually raised on a farm, was more than up for the challenge. And she spent her 20s tilling the land for her vegetable farm, which was also a local CSA. Then the art of farming gave way to another art form, music. Hayes put out her debut album, To Coax a Waltz, in 2022. And two years later comes the follow-up, Kindergarten Heart. A stirring blend of aching melancholia and gentle indie folk, Kindergarten Heart beats its percussive rhythms through each composition with hopeful elegance. It truly is beautiful work, and this is a lovely, lovely chat. So here you go, me and Shayna Hayes, having a conversation right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. both early. I feel like it's rare that I hop on a Zoom and the other person's already there. I like you already. Here we Oh, you're very kind. Uh, <laughs> the feeling is mutual. Um, I was thinking about you today because I was, uh, I knew we had this and I thought it was pouring rain here in the Bay Area of California and now it's beautiful and sunny, which made me think about your new single. Um, 
because I am very attached to the sun being from California. Mm -hmm. um, how much does weather play into the artistic process for you? Because I know the song is certainly talks about that, but just in general, in a general sense. That's a really great first question, because I actually just had to go through the lyrics of this album for like a, a visuals component of of the album launch and I had to like really like map out a lot of the words that kept popping up and the word sun came up like an embarrassingly uh high number of times and I was like okay just like note to self next album you got to reel it in with the word sun because you're getting redundant um but also on my first album too there's a song called weather there's there's a lot of of weather for sure I think I maybe we'll get into it, but I spent all of my 20s farming, um, not making music. The music is really new to me. So um, especially my earlier songs, but even still now, um, everything is very influenced by the weather because of that being such a big part of my life. But also, I think in Canada, you know, the weather, the spectrum of types of weather you can get uh, is so vast and we live in such a seasonal way here that metaphors for seasonality in my life often get heavily compared to the weather so it it's made its way into the into the songs for sure sentiments and lyrics when it comes time to create do you find that you are more creative when it's it's almost like the sun is almost like this solar panel for creativity or do you find that you're better in the sort of colder environs or or is that something you hadn't really taken note of um no it's a good question because I've, I've been thinking a lot about it lately because i i am making this shift into more full-time music um and i'm able to kind of put aside more concentrated periods of time for writing, whereas before it was just sort of in the cracks of the other things I was up to. And so I've been analyzing like, okay, like what, what is the environment that I like to create in? Like if I get to, if I get to do that with intention, like what is it? Um, and I think my pattern is mostly like a lot of my ideas are coming to me in those sunnier times in the summer season kind of between, like I said, between the cracks of, of farm stuff in the past. Uh, but then, you know, in the winter when I have typically had a lot more time uh, kind of at home in the hibernation mode, that's when things are tending to be completed. So I might, the sparks for little ideas are coming in those sunshiny moments. But when I do have time to sit down and, and be with myself for a lot of time, um, more so in the winter, uh, yeah, that's when I'm wrapping stuff up and really like packaging things, I guess, or, or yeah, completing ideas, bringing them to the to the final form. It's like you get different creative energy based on or efficiency based on the different kinds of of weather mm -hmm. that's happening. Totally. Yeah. I like to. Yeah, I like to think I can pull from all of it in theory. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if you lived in California, you'd write a lot of songs. <laughs> Oh, yeah. But the administrative part of it might be harder to carry out because it's always sunny. I would write like a thousand songs a day, but they would all be like 25 seconds long. That's that's what's happening. By the way, I don't think you can abuse the word sun. I, I'm i a writer. I put a bunch of books out and there's always a shark. There's always sharks in my work. Whoa, there's um, shark. There's shark in my album, too. Is there a shark in there? Oh, yeah. yeah. 
There's one shark. Interesting. One shark. One shark to rule them one all. Lonely shark. <laughs> it's funny because specifically what we were doing with this exercise was um we were pulling out words that could be um translated into a, a drawing of some kind a very simple image so i was looking for very like visual words so sun was there but so was shark shark was one of the kind of easy to draw um words that popped out so we have that in common. Of, there's a very poetic fact about sharks is that they navigate by the moonlight oh romantic i know nice not Who as sharks were, were so romantic <laughs> no. yeah i gotta cozy up to some sharks sometime soon <laughs> I teach university, and so talking to students about career choices, what they're going to do, what the plan is, um, some people it changes 10 times, some people it, it doesn't change at all. So for you, what was the plan? Um, what were you thinking? Um, and then when you made the shift, this is sort of a longer question, but when you made the shift into, I think I'm going to now do art, um, what was the original plan? And when you left the original plan, was that scary um you know I feel yeah my my like I guess my academic background is a little bit uh like I did technically dabble in both music and agricultural sciences at a moment um here in Quebec we have a really great thing called CEGEP which um it's basically a level of education that exists between high school and university um we finish high school a little earlier than than everyone else, basically at grade 11. And then you go into CEGEP. And when you go to CEGEP, which is free, you get to specialize. Uh, mm -hmm. And what that does is it gives you a chance to kind of make mistakes and or try stuff out before you're spending tens of thousands of dollars potentially on um, your plan. Uh, and so at that point, I did a double major music and science and got so overwhelmed by the jazz world and the kind of um yeah the competitiveness of the music kind of at that level and and in a studied format that I kind of ran towards science with my tail between my legs um and then yeah I went on to study agriculture and went out to work on farms and really I, I guess I've said this before but it's it's very true of the matter I like went into farming very much trying to avoid uh, having a creative career. That was like very much, I guess, like what I was moving away from. Um, but after, you know, I had gotten my degree and worked on other farms and then started my own farm, it became very clear once I was like in the swing of it, it became clear that it is very creative for me at its heart. It's like, I, I do vegetable farming. So it's like, you're creating these beautiful landscapes with these beautiful plants and you're you're providing this produce to people and there's a lot of community and it's it's there there is something very uh, paralleled to the creative world in it and once i kind of realized that and realized how much i enjoyed the creativity of it it kind of made me want to be creating in my winters as well where I wasn't farming, right? And so that's when music kind of like trickled back in. Um, and then the pandemic hit and I was just sitting on some music, had also just started a farm, <laughs> my own farm, but I was sitting on this music and um, yeah, I don't know if it wasn't for the farm, I wouldn't have like gotten to a place where I felt able or um, 
or willing to to be making music so it it really fed into it and then I put out that album kind of just because I had it and I wanted to and and felt good about it not anticipating that it would become a career change necessarily <laughs> but it has because uh, now I can't I can't do both it, I, the shows take up so much time now in the summer that I've had to kind of shift um, and I guess I'm now in the season of uh, music for myself and the farm's taking a bit of a pause so um, yeah I'm not sure if I'm I'm really nailing your question but it's all sort of intertwined for me I guess like if I hadn't had the farming I, it wouldn't have led me to the music and I I'm doing the music now and loving it but I am sort of like hoping to manifest a path wherein I can make my way back to farming in some degree as well like I do want to keep having farming in my life don't know how realistic that is um but yeah it's it's kind of like I've just always really followed what I'm interested in and maybe you know um maybe financially that's not always been <laughs> the the best long-term plan but I I feel like I've always been very excited about what I'm doing and it's always somehow like very organically led into the next thing that I'm doing and um it's uh yeah it's just uh, a life and less multiple careers for me I guess I I my priority has always been to not be bored uh, I could have gone and worked for you know Monsanto after I finished my agricultural sciences degree um and you know could have been you know in a different place than I am now but I I kind of love what I've done and love love the experiences I've had so that's the that's that's an answer to your question. <laughs> what were the vegetables that you were growing? I was doing um, CSA baskets, so community supported oh. agriculture. So that's uh, they're it's it's totally varied. Oh, hello, yeah, kitty how about cat! That? Look at you! He your cat just hello. jumped on your back. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm a big cat fan. That cat will distract me. I will. <laughs> I will forget about you and begin interacting with the cat if given the chance. I'll put him on again. Um, <laughs> um, what was our question? You were, so the, you were doing these CSA baskets, which we have that out here too. And those are great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really cool. It's like people pay a, a membership fee at the beginning of the season. And then for that membership fee, they then receive a basket of vegetables every week uh, of a certain quantity. Um, always varied, always different. So it it meant that I had probably up to 50 different types of vegetables. Um, so yeah, super varied. Definitely like our growing season is so different from the California growing season. For us, it was, um, I kind of hit the field mid-April and had it closed up by the beginning of November for sure. So it's, it's quite short, you know, so it really did once, like I said, once I was really stable in it and was finding myself coming back to music, that's like, you know, 2019, 2020, um, in the winters, that is like, it really, there was just enough space in the winter for me to like, kind of put my head down and, and, and focus on the writing a little bit and focus on the recording. Um, just in time to come back to the the spring season so yeah there was a solid balance there and uh it was great but now i'm now i'm in music season you know finishing university and then starting a farm does not sound easy uh, i'm guessing that it wasn't and i'm i'm curious about that transition <laughs> you know i get that i 
for me, the things that seem hard are always the things I've never seen done before. And I have grown up on a farm. My parents have a farm. So I, you know, I was always around that. I studied agriculture when I was at McGill studying agricultural sciences. I also ran the student run farms um, for two years. So I had actively already run a CSA farm with other students. We, we co-managed it together, but I, I had the actual experience of running a farm on, on a relatively small scale like that. And then I had gone on to work for other small farms and had been there for years and watched it happen. And then what actually did happen when I, when I started my own farm was that <clears throat> I was meant to be going into a farm season running gardens for a restaurant in Montreal. They had kind of restaurant gardens. Um, this was my second year doing it for them. And when the pandemic hit, all the restaurants had to close down. And I had just mm. finished the crop plan. I was like ready to go. I had been, you know, chomping at the bit to like get to the field already. I was like, could not, I just at that point could not imagine having to lock down the way that everyone had to lock down at that moment because I felt like I had been locked down kind of waiting for that restaurant farm season to start. And so when it hit and they were like, you know, we can't justify having a farm for the restaurant if the restaurant isn't open, I negotiated a deal with them kind of on the spot where I took the land and I took the equipment and I started my own basket farm because um, wow. I had that experience. So it's really, you know, it's scary, I guess, but to I, I, I had already seen that path. I had already done it. I knew exactly what equipment I was missing. I knew exactly like how to do it. And And the thing was too, you know, I was, like I said, I had studied music earlier on <laughs> at my Sejep level and somehow you know, my friendship group and everyone around me, even, you know, up until this point with the farm, they were musicians. Um, and the whole time I had been running other uh, uh, basket programs for other farms, or when I was at the McGill student farms, none of my musician friends could ever like afford or had the time to be enrolled in a basket program because they were on tour all summer. Like it just didn't make sense. You kind of have to show up and pick it up every week. Um, then when the pandemic hit, everyone was stuck at home. And um, in Canada, fortunately, we had relatively good um, support programs, especially for artists. So they had, for the first time, quite stable um, income <laughs> for a minute. And so when I launched the basket program, it filled itself up because I was in the middle of this like untapped market <laughs> of musicians right. who were stoked to be a part of this because they'd never been a part of this type of program before. So um uh, the the short answer to your question is all the stars were aligned. Like I, I already had access to the land. I already had the experience. I knew exactly what work was required. And I was in the middle of this untapped market. So once I decided to do it and put all the kind of ducks in a row and launched it, it just kind of, it, it all worked out. Um, and so, so yeah, it's, it's a big deal. It's a lot of work, but it's, it's work that I quite love. Um, if I know I have a big manual labor day ahead of me, I'm usually pretty stoked about it. <laughs> it's uh, an invigorating thing for me, but yeah. So, so yes, big deal, but I, I, it wasn't, it wasn't scary for me because it was all things I had seen before, you know? Do you find that the busier you are, the more effective you are as well? You know, like if you have a super packed schedule on one day, you're like an engine of efficiency. But then if you have a day where like, you know, nothing is going on, you kind of do nothing. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I'm that's me 100%. Like, me I, the things that I can get done when I'm ultra busy, like, compared to the complete lack of productivity I have if my schedule is too wide open, is like quite profound. Um, yeah, and it, it sort of comes back to what I was saying before that my my good ideas musically I find tend to come to me in the cracks of of the rest of what I'm doing and that's particularly true when I was farming like I would do a big farm day and I would come home and I would just mess around on the guitar and I'd find it you know I'd find these little ideas and um yeah I don't know if it's if it's just that I'm primed because I'm so busy and I'm so yeah being so efficient I'm a big big fan of efficiency <laughs> generally just with farming and farming on on the scale we're talking a lot about the farm we can talk more about the music i guess as as we continue but <laughs> there's always i think happens. the farming i think the farming and the music are intertwined um, totally yeah you know and and i think like for example um discipline to be a great artist um i think you have to be disciplined and mm -hmm. um i think a lot of artists i mean not every artist is you know um just in terms of productivity like you look at someone like Neil Young, you think like, that's a lot of music he put out. He, he must be an incredibly disciplined person. And I think that maybe farming for you, and you can tell me, is did it sort of confirm for you when you sat down to do music? Like, I'm a disciplined person. I can disappear into what I'm doing and do it. I'm not going to dabble. I'm not a dabbler, right? Mm -hmm. Farming probably, you probably already knew that, but farming probably demonstrated the idea that like, you know, I will dig in and 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 really devote myself to this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely true. Yeah, that it. I'm not scared of long hours anymore. I'm not scared right. of putting a lot of myself, like a lot of time, in, into something. Um, but I think also, you know, efficiency. Efficiency on the farm level meant like especially the type of farming I was doing where it's like very physical it's I don't have a lot of machinery you depend quite a lot on your own physical body I became very attuned to what things take from me in terms of energy like what what how much different tasks are going to take from me because they might take varying amounts of time and you want to manage your time but you also do need to be very cognizant of of the way your energy is being managed um and being able to figure that out in myself has just prepared me a lot better for my music career also because they <clears throat> there are things that and it's so different from artist to artist right but you're there are some things I just that suck the energy out of me and other things give me energy and and I think once I had developed that perspective on my life and my day-to-day day-to-day approach to my tasks once I took it to music, um, it just made the path a lot more clear for me moving forward. Like what, what are things that I need to push on and keep working on and develop? And what are other things that I can delegate out? And I think, um, so yeah, coming back to discipline, like, yes, definitely. It taught me how much, uh, how, how much time I am able to put into things, but it also taught me how to intelligently decide what things I was going to put my time into, which to me feels like a more important realization because yeah, I think 
again, going way back to the beginning with jazz school and me running away with my tail between my legs, everyone was so big on discipline and everyone was like, you got to put in a gazillion hours a day and you got to be the best at your craft. And that is totally true. But if at the end of the day, you don't like doing it anymore because you've like murdered it with putting too much time into it, then you've lost the actual core of why you're doing it, which is that it should feel good. So energy management efficiency is kind of, yeah, that's, that's the, the core of what I brought from farming towards music as far as discipline, I think. Would you characterize yourself as being an introvert? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely introverted. That's one thing with the farm compared to the music is um, as many similarities as there are in terms of creativity and, and the beauty, general kind of beauty that you're surrounded by in these two crafts. With farming, nobody is watching me do what I'm doing. I'm just right. doing it. I'm creating it for myself. Like I'm sharing the produce, obviously, but the the physical beauty of the farm, um, that's for me. And I, no one is watching me do it. Um, whereas with the music, in theory, <laughs> you do it to share it, which is great. But then you also have to get up and, um, you know, play in front of a lot of folks. And that that is, I think, a component that takes some energy from me. But um, But I do still love it. It's just, it's not as, uh, it doesn't fill up the cup in the way that songwriting and creating more uh, at the song level uh, tends to. So, yeah. Yeah, because you've made the transition from the private farming and the private is the discipline of songwriting, creating, to the public, which is the performance of what you've done privately. Um, which is a lot different than what you did on the farm privately and then publicly distributing the the vegetables through a CSA, um, being in front of an audience, being looked at, being and probably knowing you're being judged on some level, because I think that's what happens. But was that an uncomfortable transition? Like I see you have a run of shows um around around where you are, um, playing all over Quebec and for someone who is, you know. An introvert or introverted um, to then sort of go on stage. And by the way, everyone I've interviewed who's a musician, they all say introvert. So mm -hmm. everyone has selected a career where they now have to perform, right? Which seems like the opposite. It's like, you know, not being able to swim and being a lifeguard or something, right? Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, but, we're we're artists. We gotta be tortured somehow, you know. Right, right. It's like, so that's exactly right. So that transition to the stage, um, is that comfortable for you now? And was it ever not comfortable? And are you still grappling with that medium? I think the stage, yeah, it definitely was tough at first. Um, and it's still, you know, I do still always get uh, anxious. I think one thing is I, like I had done like two shows with my new music before I suddenly was playing. I just got really lucky and got some opening slots for some pretty big bands. And I was playing in front of thousands of people with so little experience. And so <laughs> that was pretty terrifying. Um, yeah. But yeah. And, and it's kind of, I've continued to have that luck since and it, it's gotten easier for sure. I guess the performance on the stage I'm pleasantly becoming more and more surprised or like more and more aware of the fact that 
the better performances tend to be the ones where I'm the most myself and where I am the most transparent. And um, as far as, you know, kind of the songs are very transparent. That's the kind of music that I make, but also my persona, I suppose, my 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 attitude on stage. The less I try to be anything other than myself, um, the better, like people, people like it more. And so that's been a really comforting thing. And it's made performance a lot easier is that you just get to go up and and be yourself and present these songs. And that's really great. I don't think that's the case for everyone. I think like there's a lot of work that folks do to create a character and that's awesome. And that creates good performances as well. I just so happen to be in a style of music where I thankfully get to just be myself and that's fine. Um, so that's, yeah, that's gotten a lot easier. The performance um, aspect that is I'm still grappling with a little bit I guess is like online presence um I'm mm. finding that quite difficult I call that performance as well because you're it's it's complicated because on stage it's fine I am being myself we're having a genuine person-to-person -person interaction I I can just be myself but when you're posting stuff online and you're you know that that stuff is also performance to some degree because it's not an in-person in the real moment exchange but you are still expected to to kind of be real and be whatever and it's just i have trouble smoothly doing those things and feeling um yeah feeling comfortable yet but but it's coming along i think it's just sort of it's new it's all new for me so taking it gently and observing all the time is all i can do for the moment being hurled into a situation where there are thousands of people who were you playing with the first big one was um, Half Moon Run. Mm -hmm. Don't know if you know them. They're they're based from here, and they're pretty big here. Um, and then I did some opening shows for the Bar Brothers, and then uh, the War on Drugs last summer. That's a big Isn't one. That bananas! I don't know how they found me. I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. But anyway, um, yeah, they were really beautiful experiences. But you know, really got thrust into doing real big shows real fast. Um, but my band is really wonderful and they really are such a great support and such incredible players. So it's it's been it's been fine with them at my side for sure. If life it is a small town then you would be the way love. Everybody waves just because
when you're playing live, how are you with the interstitial banter between songs? How does that feel for you? Yeah, I this is one of the things like I was saying, it's it's kind of getting easier for me and I'm settling because I, you know, as I said, have been in this music world for a long time, but have just been observing, I've just been I've not actively been doing it, but all, you know, my partner is a musician and my my siblings are musicians like I'm I'm in it and I've watched a lot of shows and um yeah most bands kind of try not to speak it seems like they try not to talk in between songs which is absolutely fine it wasn't it never struck me it never occurred to me that that's what was happening until I was on stage and I have such a hard time not talking between songs because it feels bizarre it feels like I'm having an interaction with these folks who are watching me, I can't just pretend they're not there. I can't just pretend that I didn't just present a song to them about perhaps something very intimate, perhaps, you know, some idea. I just, I just, you know, offered something. I can't then not address it. And to the point that if ever we're doing, you know, showcases or things where I have to make it quick and just play the songs, like I have such a hard time because I, I feel like it requires some sort of addressing. And, and so I think I've become more comfortable with like just allowing that to happen. Um, and again, coming back to farming, <laughs> the one aspect um, that I found hard when I hadn't quite settled into this, this, you know, just doing it naturally on stage um, was that with farming, the transaction was very clear and very transparent. It's like you, you and mutual, you know, like I folks, you know, pay for these vegetables and I give them these vegetables. I'm excited to give them. They're excited to receive them. Often we see each other in person when it happens. It's so clear and so mutual and so gratifying. And then with music, it can be incredibly gratifying, but you're not always able to really like, um, to really see the transaction itself. It's not as transparent, you know, like even to the point where there might be an audience who I played a show last night who they were so quiet the whole show and it was mm. beautiful and they listened, but I did not get a sense during the show whether or not they were enjoying it. I really couldn't tell. Um, afterwards, you know, people came up at the merch table and, and were really warm and, and kind of convinced me. But if I hadn't had the opportunity to have that interaction with them, like I would have no idea. Um, and so, yeah, that, uh, that's tough. I find like not getting a clear sense of the interaction. So when I am on stage, I want to, I want to lean into it and I want to like create more of a connection. I want it to feel a lot more like we're all just here together. And I'm so lucky to have you listening to what I'm saying. Like I, I would, I, I, I don't want to have a wall between me and the audience. I don't want to just talk every four songs and say, Oh, thanks. Great. You know, like I, I, to me, it's like, and it might not always be that way. Maybe at some point I'll, I'll feel, I don't need to talk so much to the audience, but for me, it helps clarify the transaction and it helps clarify the connection that I'm ultimately trying to achieve with these folks who've come out to see this show. Did the quiet kind of throw you off or get into your head a little bit? <laughs> Last night it got into my head a little bit. There was also like the sound was very dry. <laughs> so I was just like, I kind of felt a little bit like I was playing like a toy guitar and, and you can't see them too, right? Like often the lighting right. is just, so I'm like, I know there's several hundred people in front of me. I know I'm playing songs. <laughs> um, I don't know. Not sure how it's going. But no, I, I mean, 
to some degree. I guess it's more of a comparison to other shows where you're getting those like, mm, yeah, like in between songs from the audience to like get uh, yeah some some subtle feedback. But uh, but it was okay. Just compared to other times, it can be harder to tell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm always getting in my head when I'm playing. It's a thing I'm trying not to do. I'm always yeah. I'm I'm trying to be more in the moment I guess it was a little tougher because I was like I think this is going well I don't know um yeah a little bit but it's so hard because if you're thinking hey I think I'm in the moment that means you're not in the moment right because you're thinking you're thinking yeah. like, right yeah sometimes I'm like performance is just a manipulation game you're just manipulating yourself for an hour to be calm sometimes um yeah, it's a it's an interesting exercise for sure, but but beautiful and fun. And you know, to be fair, I think that sometimes quiet isn't necessarily bad. Sometimes people are appreciating what you're doing in a very inward kind of way. I I'm one of those people who I, I would be inward for sure. Like I think, yeah, I can't. And I I don't like the most amazing performances I've seen in my life. I've not reached out to the artist to tell them that I just kind of hold that in myself so um so I can imagine that there are folks who are enjoying it who don't say anything but you know you also don't want to assume that's the case um yeah. so yeah it's it just comes down to again the 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 transparency of the situation which not that it needs to be transparent not that they need to come forward and tell you <laughs> what they thought of the show but it's it's more just yeah it's a it's a different um, the the gratification of doing it can't be reliant on seeing people's reaction to it every single time. You gotta, it's gotta come from, yeah, or you gotta be okay with with not necessarily having that. I guess. When you talk about getting in your head, are you also somebody who is hard on yourself, self-critical? Yeah, I think I'm definitely. I'm I'm a bit of a perfectionist um, with certain things, but. I think less and less all the time. Uh, and that is a good thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm trying to just be a lot more observant of when I'm not stoked on a performance I just did or not stoked on a song. I'm, I'm a lot better able to to kind of step away and kind of look at how it's making me feel and kind of proceed without the emotion like I'm, I'm getting to that place in my creative process um so yes but I have a handle on it I think I think I'm I think it's gonna be okay I think I'm gonna be fine <laughs> <laughs> oh one of the things I, lo I I love what you do and one of the things I picked up on there's a through line in your music sonically I'm hearing this kind of and it goes beyond drums there's a kind of percussive through line through your music, um, even on the quieter numbers or whichever, there's a kind of beat that kind of goes through, um, mm. which I love. I just love it. It's a weird question, but are you aware of some kind of inward percussion which is informing the songs? I'm not sure. I think what I, what's coming to mind uh, with you asking that is because when I write these songs, I write them solo, fully. Like I write them myself on guitar um and, and you know the production side of things is is newer to me so even as i write them i don't always have like 
a clear sense of the rest of the instrumentation. I tend to write them so that they could stand on their own. I do that less and less now that I do have my team to lean on and, and uh, the, the two folks who produce with me um, when I when I know that they'll be able to fill in that space. But I think, yeah, I think there's, yeah, I, I try to write them to be quite complete in their solo unit. And I think, and because I'm not the most excellent guitar player, I think the vocal melodies tend to just hold maybe that rhythm and hold the yeah they have to hold it down rhythmically because that's the the foundation of the songs for me so um yeah the melodies are are really the core uh and with that being the case I guess it's probably important to me on some level that they be rhythmically um strong and rhythmically uh uh driving so maybe that's it. Maybe that's what you're hearing. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I want to just revisit something you said about the first crack at music. You said you sort of retreated with your tail between your legs. Um, and was that just sort of an allergy to competition? How competitive, and I imagine with it being competitive, it was probably hypercritical, maybe not the safest space for you at that time, or maybe <laughs> anytime. That doesn't sound like a ton of fun. Um, what was the real element that sort of pushed you away? Was it the competition? Uh, yeah, it was competition. Like I said, I think by nature I'm quite a perfectionist, but I also, I, so when I started music school, uh, I had just moved from the place I grew up, which is an incredibly small, incredibly isolated town on the East coast of Quebec. My town has like 300 people in it. I had never seen half of the instruments that people were studying when I started studying music. I had no training whatsoever. I had to do a bunch of remedial courses the second I got there. Um, and it was hard. It was really hard. And all these, you know, kids who'd been in lessons their whole childhood and like knew that they wanted to do this. They had seen all kinds of shows. I'd never seen shows. I didn't even know like really at that point like what a career in music could look like I didn't know what live performances looked like it was so um yeah I came in so kind of ignorant to the whole world and and really had to do a lot of work to catch up and I don't think I ever did catch up to to my peers at that level um and everyone who decided to continue on with music after that level of education they were so you know, they were so committed and so dedicated to it and so disciplined. And I just felt like I was treading water and like trying to trying to keep up with these kids. So. Um, so, yeah, I think it was just all a lot. It was just very overwhelming. And, and you know, whatever reasons that I had originally like gravitated towards music, you know, um, beyond having some some talent already um, became very obscured at that point. Um, and, you know, it comes back also to, to what I was saying about the, the path. I had never seen the path. I didn't know what it took to be a, a musician. Um, and the path towards agriculture was just so much more illuminated at that point for me. I could see it. I could visualize what it would take for me to be, you know, in in farming to some degree. There was familiarity there. And this whole world just felt so 
unfamiliar and my desire to do it wasn't strong enough to overcome uh, the my lack of the, the lack of visibility um, for a path moving forward and and yeah and I just stayed in it and watched other people do it and watched you know um, wonderful music musicians make beautiful careers and um, simultaneously I think like redeveloped my desire to do it and illuminated the path towards it and once those things were aligned I made my move um, with patience and with you know excitement and yeah so that's that's that so you almost like you you recalculated mm -hmm. very slowly yeah you know just more more of a an accumulation an accumulation of like seeing seeing people and being inspired by people and slowly surrounding myself with with folks who also believed in in my abilities and believed in my my songs too you know so um yeah yeah an accumulation of the right uh pieces of the puzzle i get the sense that you were a really good collaborator that you work well with others um I hope so <laughs> yeah is that <laughs> yeah i think so um yeah yeah for sure i think like i uh like i was saying i i think i have a keen sense of what my strengths are and what things again i bring me energy or take energy away from me so when i do tend to collaborate with people and when i'm like wanting to create things i'm very cognizant of like you know where i should be delegating something out and where I should like I, I I will play to my strengths and I will surround myself with people who can also play to their strengths and just sort of it's a it's a unit right and you want to be yeah you want to be aware of 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 who you're surrounding yourself with and and you want to make sure it's it's going to be a good collaboration um so I I think I'm good I think I also set myself up in situations where where uh, where I know it'll go well too <laughs> the universe played it right for you because opening for the war on drugs at 19 would have been maybe done your head in, right? Oh yeah. 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 I I'm very grateful for that. I like, I kind of, you know, as much as I, I think my soul would have loved to have been doing music for a longer chunk of my life. Um, it might've been pretty bad music. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, no, that's not true. I think like, you know, people, people need to create what they need to create when they need to create it. Um, and everyone should feel, um, the, the, the right to do that. But yeah, I think, yeah, I, I, I think it happened at the right time and it happened at a moment where I was able to be excited about it and able to take from that experience, um, uh, the, the best, the best kind of, um, experience that I could. So, so yeah. I know that if I was trying to have a music career at 19 personally and trying to navigate sort of the, the social media and like public image thing um, that has to be navigated now, I would go nuts. Like I just, right. you would, so you would lose sense of who you are. You, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's intense. The marketing of yourself. Um, and I, my and my 19-year-old brain definitely wasn't equipped for that and i i i'm sure there are lots of folks who are um equipped for that i just personally there's no way there's no way my 
graduating class in high school had has 212 more people than your town. <laughs> yeah, well, I was thinking the show I played last night had three, almost three times the population of my town <laughs> there. Um, yeah, it's small. I mean, it's the, the town itself is not that large and there are other towns nearby. So it's not as if the only people you know are the people in your town. But yeah, it's uh, teeny tiny. But I wonder if, I, I asked this question because I wonder if that also means that you crave two things. I imagine there's familiarity in a town that small where most people seem to know each other. So that's one thing. And the other thing is I wonder also if um, it's easier to carve out space for yourself. And mm -hmm. I wonder if those are two things that you need in your adult life, familiarity with people, which seems almost like it answers itself, but also the ability to have space and quiet to yourself as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the space thing, the space thing is real for me. I, it blows my mind that like, as I sit here, there's, there are probably like 10 people within like 50, 60 feet of me. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm like sitting in my, in my apartment, but it's like, there are people everywhere. Um, and you know, the, the town I grew up in physically, there was a lot of space you could run off and not see a person for miles and miles and miles. Um, <clears throat> so I do miss that quite a lot. I also, you know, grew up on the ocean. So always had um, the, the ocean to the south. And in fact, yeah, anyway, just very, very spacious. You're right. That's a thing that I've, I've had a lot of trouble um, coping with not having. And, and the farm gave me that too. And I think just, you know, being, yeah, being in the field and having space around me was really important. Um, and then, yeah, the, the familiarity and the people is, is an interesting one because you, I think it's very easy in the city <clears throat> to not you know, to be surrounded by people and not really be engaging with anyone and not really have any meaningful um, community or, um, yeah, the, those lines take more work here than they do in a place where you have no choice but to be friends with everyone, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. Still sifting through that to understand the, yeah, when I when I moved to the city, the culture shock was pretty wild. And I think I'll be deciphering the specific mechanisms of that culture shock for the rest of my life. And that's one of them. I think one of the things that I did kind of manage to wrap my head around one thing that was really difficult for me um, was communicating with people when I first moved, because even though it's a fr another friend of mine who who had moved from a small town to the city who put it this way, and it's exactly this, that even though you're speaking the same language as the people around you, it feels like you're speaking a different language sometimes. Like there were just nuances in the conversations and like rhythms and like obviously references that were being made that went over my head and a lot of things that were like said but not implied or implied but not said. And I just, there was a rhythm to the conversations that I was so oblivious to and it it quite literally resulted in me not understanding what people were saying to me and people not understanding what I was saying to them, even though we were speaking the same language. And I think that probably, you know, I don't, it, it, it got its roots in me and it probably contributed to me like being freaked out about music because it made me really hesitant to express myself 
for for a moment and it made me very fearful of being misunderstood um mm. and i think for years of my life i and even now by default i think like unless i know i can say something perfectly clearly the first time it's rare that i'll say it you know like i i want to know i've got the thought perfectly articulated in my head before i uh before i say it and you know, I've learned that language since, you know, and I can, I can follow those rhythms. There are still references that go flying over my head, but um, I think like I've learned to be articulate and I've learned to be able to say things pretty well, pretty quickly, you know, um, which is like one of the really interesting, interesting things for me about the fact that I've come back to music is like to make music and to share it is to like inevitably invite people to misunderstand you like you're not mm. speaking in a way that um that everyone is going to understand you and and I know that yet somehow I've like found my way back to it despite this kind of like deep-rooted fear of being misunderstood I've like found myself doing music again and um that's been one of the most incredibly gratifying parts of it that I like genuinely didn't clock but must have been really important for me deep down is that to be in a room full of people who've heard what you've had to say, heard you express yourself and have decided they want to come pay for a ticket and watch you do it live is so, uh, I guess, like healing for me with regards to that, because it's like this voice that I write music in is probably the closest to that original voice that I've had to like tweak. You know, I feel like it is, mm. it is the true voice that I've had to, to, tweak to be able to communicate effectively with other people in the day-to-day -day. so it it yeah it really floored me when I made that realization that there's just this yeah expressing myself in that way and having people react to it and understand it and see me makes me feel yeah seen in a way that I probably believed wasn't possible at some point in my life and it, it's very beautiful and I'm very grateful for it so yeah Sorry, that's yeah. quite the tangent, but... <laughs> no, no, that's great. And it also, what's interesting about art is that no one interprets it the same way anyway, right? Like everyone's going to be having their own um, interpretation. So the appreciation of what you do, a lot of it will be based on misinterpretation anyway, because you might write a song that you think, um, you know, is life-affirming and... Um, Someone else might find it heartbreaking. <laughs> Who knows why? Um, or just or just think of the lyrics and, and assign their own meaning to it, which is what we do anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so in some ways, knowing you're going to be misinterpreted in that regard must be freeing because it's like, yeah, because there is no misinterpretation of art anyway. So they're yeah. misinterpreting, but that's actually correct. Totally. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I guess I don't I don't have a fully baked thought uh, on that, but I I guess like what I'm inclined to say is like when you're writing a song, when you're making music, it's 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 more about just like stringing together beautiful little beautiful things than it is about. I mean, obviously, some some songs are very much lyric based and very much a story or very much like an idea that you want to be very clear. But I, I think like my favorite songs are like you're saying ones that are like a little more obscure and you just you've you've managed to string together this beauty for people to kind of behold and um they can take it and apply it 
however they want uh, within their own brains uh, so that it's touching for them, you know? By the way, I wonder, being raised by the water, I wonder if that explains the percussive elements that you're drawn to in your music. Yeah, perhaps. You're right. That's it. It's the tides. They're they're in me. My my blood is my blood is, you know, on on the tides with the moon. That's where your little shark came from. That's it. I think what you do is beautiful. I love your music. Thank um, you. you have the cleanest apartment out of anyone I've ever interviewed. Um, <laughs> Can I be honest with you? I got this uh, duvet today. Um, so and it so I wanted it to look good because I just spent a bunch of money on it. Um, it looks I, beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> it, looks, it looks like you're in a staged home. Like it's so beautiful and, pre and precise and clean and orderly. Thank you so much. This is the whole thing, by the way, what you see. There's like a tiny kitchen tiny bathroom but this is it tiny this apartment it. <laughs> well it looks great um your music is miraculous i just think you're so gifted and wonderful and i'm so grateful to talk to you thanks for for talking to me and um and thanks for do, for being willing to just let this go where it goes well, thanks so much alex it was really fun was fun. Shayna Hayes, she's the coolest. What a great, great conversation. And her album is beautiful. Pick it up. And after you pick it up, pick up the one before it. You know what? Save yourself the time. Buy them both at once. How about that for an idea? To Coax a Waltz is the first one. The new one is Kindergarten Heart, and they are both equally wonderful. So go get them. ShaynaHayes.BandCamp.com S-H-A-I-N-A-H-A-Y-E-S dot Bandcamp Com. You can follow me on Twitter or X or X Twitter or formerly Twitter or Twitter X. I don't know at Ember's editor or on Instagram at Ember's podcast or just email me editor at stereo embers magazine.com bombshell radio.com is where you need to go to find out what makes our radio station tick. And don't forget that stereo embers, the podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use subscribe Rate and review. Tell all your friends. Blah, blah, blah. You know how it works. Long story short, we appreciate you spreading the word about our podcast. Let's close the show with a longer listen to The Sun and Time from Shana Hayes' marvelous new album, Kindergarten Heart. Enjoy it. And thank you, as always, for listening to Stereo Embers, the podcast only right here on Bombshell Radio.
Let's grab.